This episode of the Last King Podcast is brought to you by the Whalen yutani Corporation. Taking you to the stars and beyond. Just don't look in the closet. Damn aliens! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Last King Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Tafi. And um, I am... <coughs> you feeling okay, man? I'm patient zero, Shafiq. Patient zero, Shafiq. <laughs> I finally lost yes. my doctor status. Yeah. Thank you, Indonesia, for the food poisoning. And I'm space pilot, eccentric tall. Yeah, so space pilot. As you can tell, we're not feeling in the best of weathers right now. It's I'm fine. I don't know what the yeah. season. <laughs> it's that okay, Asian flu that doesn't affect yeah, white people. There's been a bug that's been going around in Singapore. So yes. and also in Indonesia, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. I just came back. Went to watch Megadeth, Abath, Entombed. Uh, the Black Dahlia Murder at Hammer Sonic over in Anchol Echo Park. No, Amazing show. That, that sounds really kick ass. Did you say Abath or Abba? Abath. I was gonna say because that is one How the hell is Swedish? Okay, like metal and then Swedish pop band. How's they gonna make? Sweden has some of the best metal. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. that is true. That is true. You have to agree. You know, shoutouts to dissection. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, um, yeah, no. So, well deserved break for myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are we gonna talk about metal all of a sudden? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about <laughs> metal. Well, well, we could talk about something that is sort of related to the power slide. Sure, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the great news that Platinum Games has bestowed upon us. Goddamn Vanquish, yep. finally Vanquish coming to PC. Coming out on PC <laughs> on May the 25th. By the time this episode is probably out, or maybe a few days before, prior, who knows? And I'm pretty sure it was all because of us. Us, <laughs> shout out, shout we, out we influenced a mid-sized corporation shout in Shout out to the Going Platinum episode only a few weeks back. I see from a distance that Shafiq's head is getting like head is getting three inches wide and bigger. A puke bucket right next to me. So yes, last king fans, I am going head over heels. Heels. No, no, that's not right. <laughs> okay, that's wrong. Beyond the call of duty, <laughs> and we appreciate we appreciate you for it. Oh god. But anyway, yeah, Vanquish is coming out, for this. and we're actually happy for it because it's one of those third-person shooters that kind of broke the mold from other shooters where. Oh, why, hell take, yeah. why take cover when you can just go out in the open, power slide away through corgi robots and beat the shit out of them? <laughs> corgi, robot. corgi robots? Corgi robots. I think that's what they're called, right? I the range robots, uh, yeah. Little tiny robots that try to bite your ankles, but you can just power slide right through them. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, so Vanquish, 25th May. Mark yep. your calendars, boys and girls. So yep. what other influence can we bestow upon people? What You know what? Fucking Nier Automata, as much as I've been reeling against the fact that it wasn't available on PC, also finally made it to Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bayonetta came out only like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So you know what we should have, right? We should... I mean, but the thing is, I would love to see Mad World. That... We'll see. Because that's, that's still under a Nintendo kind of deal thing. Because that, that was actually meant for the Wii. That and Bayonetta too. So yeah, so yeah there, are, there will still be Platinum games trapped in that ecosystem. If they want to bring in Bayonetta 2, they're going to have to take away all the Nintendo influence costumes inside. Like, like the speech outfit, yeah. the chain chomp weapon, which is kind of cute when, when you use it. Yep. It's like, it's a leg weapon. It does a chain chomp roar thing, you know, like in Mario. And it's a long range kind of chain weapon. Kind of cute. Strangely, it fits within the Bayonetta universe for some oh, strange oh. reason. And here's the thing, if you're wearing the, when Bayonetta's wearing the Princess Peach outfit, instead of like the Wicked Weave uh, hair hand thing yeah. that comes out, it's actually Bowser's hand that comes down. Yes. That's kind of cute. Yeah, you know, but yeah. So and that's why I'll never be on PCs. So uh, yeah. Yeah. They have to take out all of that. 
Yeah. It's kind of sad. Damn you, Nintendo. But at least people will get Bayonetta 2, and that's a pretty awesome game. On a Wii U. Mm. Or no, Switch. No, 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 it's... Oh, it's well, gonna come out Switch for all you know. I, mean, I doubt so. No, I think it's gonna, be, it's gonna be stuck in that ecosystem for a while. I mean, Bayonetta 2 was the first, but the third party first uh, game launch. You know what I mean? Oh well, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. meant to sell systems, and it did kind of sell systems for a while. In I mean, a way, in a way. Most yeah. people, like early adopters of the Wii U, bought it just for Bayonetta 2. And they also might have bought it because of the previous game, also for the Wii U, from the same guys, Wonderful 101. Oh, definitely. Another yeah. reason. Oh, if that's platinum, right? Yeah, that's platinum games. How lovely would that be on PC as oh, well? Oh man, I kind of wish it could, but that's a bit tough. I mean, I could do nothing but gush about how platinum did an amazing job porting Bayonetta to PC. I mean, like if you all remember playing it on the Xbox 360 and the PS3 not being PC, PC Master Race here PC Tasty Master PC Tasty <laughs> oh god no. uh, lost game fans sorry <laughs> this, will be a, this will be a PC Tasty I thing think I swallowed a Xenomorph anyway <laughs> <laughs> he was too close to the legs uh, anyway but the thing is someone like, told you to look and you said yes no, but I just need to I just need to say this you know like the thing about being on a PC no input delay mm-hmm. amazing you're playing it exactly the way you're supposed to play it you know, especially when you equip yourself with the Moon of Mahakala and you want to parry all these attacks, you know, and like, it's just so buttery smooth now compared to like the input delay that existed on the PS3, like quite famously, because that's probably one of the reasons why like the Bayonetta and PS3 got a lot of bad press, right? And on the Xbox Not really, it got really good press. I mean, it got really the good press. The PS3 version had a lot of bad press because had, um, of the load time, the input delay thing you mentioned. Which they didn't patch until like a month later actually. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of bad press, uh, another thing which kind of ties into what we're talking about today, which is Alien, Alien Covenant in particular. Which just yes. came out here. Yeah. This is actually our episode for Aliens. I'm sorry if we derailed it to Fatman Games. Ah, I, it wouldn't be a Last King podcast if, if we didn't we... derail it every five minutes. <laughs> That's, a That's a good point. That's a good point. Now we talk about anime. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, just for a minute or two, we have to mention that Prey has also come out recently. Yes. Not to be confused with Prey, the game which came out on the Xbox 360. The one with the vagina doors. Yes. Thank People you, Toffee, for taking it there straight <laughs> <Yes>. away, huh? <laughs> People only remember Prey because, again, yeah, those doors and also the Native American influence thing going on. The spiritual aspect of it. But wasn't there vagina doors in the Duke Nukem game too? That no. one was more on the nose. Can we stop saying to... vagina doors, please? I... I want vagina doors to be a hashtag. Hashtag vagina doors. Last game fans, don't forget to tweet to us <laughs> and follow us on Instagram. And yes, use the hashtag vagina doors. Anyway, so Prey <laughs> came out a week ago. Um, it's basically about this guy called Morgan Yu or girl, depending on also who you want to pick. Morgan, yeah. Who actually ends up with amnesia waking up in the space station. Naturally, there are people hanging around, of course, but that shit happens because these aliens. I forgot what their names were, but I know one of the classes, which I'll talk to later. It's just come in and wreck shit up. It's basically playing um, Prop Hunt from Gmod. Yes, yeah, game, exactly. Which is, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Actually, those bits where you'll be like picking up items like a coffee mug, and suddenly, whoosh, that's a big morph thing, and then the mimic comes out and kicks you in the face. Yeah, those are kind of fun and kind of tense no, as well. Literally without sound effect, whoosh. Mm, whoosh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I brought it up because early reviews have been which I was expecting. A game doesn't release mid-May if they have a lot of hope for it. But it got a very bad review on IGN. Really? Yeah, because it had a game-breaking bug which meant that they couldn't progress through. And so they said, we can't finish it, therefore it's getting a bad review. Mm -hmm. Then they made a new review with the patch which made it actually playable. Ah. So... Yeah, uh, but I don't know what to say about that considering the fact that this brings up the whole thing where Bethesda's way of handling the media, getting early copies in this fact that they don't, is actually kind of biting them in the ass. 
because you kind of want to have guys like medias like us and all that playing this game like a week prior to you know maybe talk about it in advance mm. but now everyone all has dips on the same thing in fact it's actually the same kind of policy that blizzard has blizzard never actually gives copies to people uh games co- early copies to people earlier on previews yes but for the final retail stuff it's like on the day itself okay mm. but diablo 3 starcraft 2 all the starcrafts two games yeah that that's a perfect example yeah but the difference is, is that with blizzard everything has a high level of polish yeah where I agree. even though there are things which might not work like the auction house was broke as all hell it still in, is it still is good thing they removed they it. removed but, it thank but god but at least you could play the game and it was responsive and it was an enjoyable experience whereas with bethesda titles you have to kind of expect technical difficulties yeah. right i mean sometimes <laughs> it's fine but you know skyrim still has amazing bugs and you kind of love oh, it yes. for it yeah yeah <laughs> we remember the game because of his bugs yeah but it still needs to be playable. Mm-hmm. I mean, who remembers when Skyrim came out where it was unplayable on the PS3 because of the way that they saved games? I dodged that bullet, I played on the Xbox. I played on PC, so yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. For the poor peasants who had to play on the <laughs> PS3, yeah. sorry, my PC master races. No, no one, I mean, at the time, no one knew anyway until like a few days later, right? So. Yeah, so basically, Bethesda, sort your shit out, man. <laughs> this is n- not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you still have to understand that it's the sign of the times because basically nowadays, like you know, with game releases, everybody expects the day one patch. Yeah. Everyone expects it to be. I mean, and now the, we can actually come up to this day where yeah. every game comes up perfect or playable. That's day one patches, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, like if you want to harken back to days of the cartridge or even on the on the scene. Yeah, it has to be perfect the way it is. Yeah, it had to, it had to ship gold. It had to ship like you know solid. Yeah, because you, know, yeah, you can never fix it afterwards. Yeah. Like, even in the day of uh, CDs. You had to wait six months down the line when you released your first expansion pack where you could fix anything that was broken. I mean, remember back in the day, like say 90s or early 2000s, when the dream job for nerds like us was to be a game tester? Oh, <laughs> dream, quote unquote. Uh, dream. And then when you actually do it, like, oh fuck this, you're supposed to find bugs. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, right now, it's kind of obvious that like the days of the game tester or the, the days of the, the Q&A department are long gone. Oh yeah, this now will outsource Yeah, I think we the, are now the QAs when you think about oh, yeah. it. With early access games. Yeah, there you yeah, go. That is patches. the biggest fucking blight. Anyway, let's uh, cut this short for another conversation because we're not the Jim Sterling. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> but, but again, we're only bringing up Prey because sci-fi Loaded space, and sort because of. of space. Now we are going to talk about Alien Covenant, but that's going to be in the second half of the show. Yeah. For the first half, we're going to talk about what actually made us, what has drew us to the Alien and Aliens franchise in the first place. The like, Alien franchise. Yeah. What makes it really kick ass, and why did it resonate to us sci-fi geeks? And yeah. also, for the sake of time, let's not mention AVP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's the stipulation that and we for have. For the sake of good taste, I think as well we can. Let's not mention AVP two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we should start off by saying that I think how we appreciate it is going to be very different between one half of the room and the other half. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm sure that you guys watched it pretty soon after the theatrical release, right? Dude, Alien came out in 1979. Yeah. I was born <laughs> that year. Oh, I finally revealed my birthday. <laughs> Asking fans, pay attention to this episode, okay? But, but uh, the thing is, I managed to watch it. I didn't watch it in the cinema, but I did watch it. Well, I'm glad you didn't. I've questioned your parents' abilities. I wa- uh, yeah, she, my mom was like pregnant with me watching Aliens, and that's how I came into this world. Bursting <laughs> <laughs> forward like a chest burst. Uh, through her vagina door. So, oh. <laughs> anyway. I think, uh, good, good leading. Good I leading. guess she'll stop right there, okay? 
Oh yeah, by the way, it's Mother's okay. Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> At the time we record this, yes. Oh, thank God she doesn't speak English. Oh, God. So okay. anyway, like, I only actually had my first experience with Alien and Aliens on VHS. Okay. Same, yeah. Time, yeah. I saw Alien on, uh, yeah, on VHS. Although technically, Aliens, I also saw it again on uh, Laserdisc, if I recall. That old medium back in the day. Oh, dude, yeah. I, aliens or Laserdisc? Aliens or Laserdisc. Yo, the sound quality of it's, a Laserdisc. God yeah. damn, especially when like their, uh, their machine guns start firing. I remember that especially. But know. however, when I was at that age, I think I was like, what, in my teens watching it? Mm-hmm. I did not really appreciate the first Alien as much as I did Aliens. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whereas Alien, I have to confess, the build-up was really long to from the chestburster to the actual reveal of the ju- of the guy in the suit like, and, the, and the ducks and everything. It's from a time of cinema where it took forever to build up to the final conclusion. Remember Jaws? It took, what, half an hour after the first scene before we saw another shark attack or mm-hmm. something? Mm-hmm. And we didn't see an actual shark until an hour in. I mean, And, you know, I make it that point because Alien was designed to be the Jaws of space. Yeah. That was how they landed it out. Uh, that was how it was pitched. Yeah, yeah, how it was pitched is like, I don't think anyone knew about how the xenomorph looked like in the, when they first started seeing it in cinema, right? Mm. But at the time, as I grew up with much more appreciation of film, I actually get that and I actually appreciate Alien more than uh, now compared to like last time. Because it's a solid horror movie. It's a solid horror. Uh, yeah. Thriller tension, you know, it actually builds up. Like, you get to know these characters, yeah. they all die one by one. And the thing is, compared to the other movies, this one was definitely designed to scare you, whereas yeah. the rest was more designed to thrill you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a horror film, it's fantastic because of certain things that employed. Ridley Scott is a master of this kind of building of tension and of yeah, character building. And also because he got two separate designers. He got one guy, I can't remember his name. Who Bannon? Steve Bannon, right? Maybe. The guy who designed all the human stuff. And of course, Giger himself. the amazing HR Giger to make yeah. all of the alien Giger. stuff. Yeah. And that's why it works so much, because you have two different designers. One did alien, one did... Human, so there was a that, definite clash where you that knew. beautiful juxtaposition yeah. of mm-hmm. like what we recognize and things that are truly organic and beyond our imagination. Yeah, so even though it was excellent sci-fi concepts stuff going on, there was still a lot of stuff which really grounded it. So you had people waking up from hypersleep. You had Ashley Android, but they're warming shit up in a microwave and they're all smoking cigarettes. Yeah, truckers in space. I love that yeah. aesthetic yeah, a lot yeah. because the thing is right, especially with the spaceship. Everything looks so lived in, you know. Oh yeah, it had it's so filthy and downbeat and awful. Which I would also have to attribute to Star Wars. More yeah. homely. I mean, I would say homely. Yeah. More um, uh, retro tech-ish. I don't know. What? Retro future. Yeah, retro future. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but basically, like when you look at it, you can be- you believe that these people existed and they spoke that way and they acted that way and the way they handled the machines like just seeing things kind of malfunction and they're like slamming on like monitors and stuff like oh this yeah thing. you can tell that yeah. people who've had to deal with this shit for a long time and they're just like for fuck's sake and then when the acid <laughs> thing came out from the face hugger the one that's on Ian's, the guy's face and then John Hurt John Hurt John's face and then just came out and down and down like they had to actually climb down to see steps, how the acid right. on yeah. steps by steps because this was basically like Star Wars and Alien was the antith- uh, antithesis Antithesis? Antithesis. That word. 
<laughs> to what people projected the future to be because yeah. like if you look at like maybe even something like Stanley Kubrick's 2001 or like what people thought the future would be everything would be just clean lines like slick super ergonomic everything very minimal mm. and then you see something like Alien or even Star Wars where like you know it's a hunk of junk if things are just being pasted together and like duct taped together and like you know like these people literally are flying through space in a garbage truck yeah <laughs> But I think, I think, do you think we have time to kind of also tangent off to the origins of the origins? Anybody want to mention Jodorowsky's Dune and how he put together these people mm. and how they later went on to do the Alien movie? Maybe just a brief recap. Because the uh, thing is, I've, I've, I've heard about that. I mean, that's maybe something we can go more in depth with if we, you know, if they ever make a Dune film, which I think they are. They are going to, which is yeah. like. But it is appropriate. Then we have to talk about Jodorowsky's Dune for sure. Yeah. But we'll just reference that. That was the original team, and obviously Jodorowsky is this crazy human. Oh yeah! <laughs> so, How crazy is this guy? I would love to it. do an episode on just his movies. Like I want to talk about Holy Mountain and El Topo. Yes, I've seen Holy Mountain for. <laughs> I still don't get what the fuck it's about. Honestly, no, but imagine that asshole making Dune. I can see that. And, and it had to be six hours long. You know when uh, yeah. Paul Atreides goes into his spice stream mode, who knows, that shit comes out of his head. I mean, like, that last, could work out. Last King fans, if you can find the documentary Jodorowsky's Dune, where he just basically goes back in time and talks about how he put the team together, mm-hmm. and just look at his sketches and his concept art for what could have been the Dune movie, that guy was out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm who, glad Who could that, afford that? Yeah, so... Kind of like how we got Star Wars out of the fact that George Lucas couldn't make Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. We got Alien because Jodorowsky couldn't make June. Exactly. So yeah. I think that we got success from failure. And they lost our game. And yeah. we are getting a really kick-ass thriller. Yeah, so I think sense. we can all agree that we really enjoy Alien, especially now. Yeah. I watched it a bit with a better mindset, we can actually appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's a movie that aged very well. Yeah, the thing is, I watched it's when I was 14, 15. Uh, finally, when my dad started introducing me more to classic films that he watched when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And somehow, this was just before the internet became a big thing, I'd never seen a chess burster scene. Oh, wow. Until that. I'd saved myself from that. I hadn't even seen Spaceballs yet, so it's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like that Spaceballs scene. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hell of a baby, hell but, of a darling. But it had the right impact because it was. Horrifying, and mm. even though it hasn't aged the best way possible, true, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's less cute more than horrifying. Oh, yeah, saying, yeah, it's a puppet, we know, <laughs> yeah, and it makes it kind of like noise, which it sounds a bit like you know, those cute like things you saw in Fantastic Beasts that had the same noise, mm-hmm. but it had that right impact. And it took me a long time before I watched Aliens, which is possibly the best sequel. Yeah, around, the, no. around 87, 89 no. was it? I, I loved Aliens a lot. Aliens is not the best sequel ever. I still give it a Terminator 2. Okay. <laughs> Termi- okay. Also a James one, Cameron joint. Okay, <laughs> one of the best sequels you could actually I would find. also give it to Godfather 2. Yeah, Godfather 2, best sequel as <laughs> well. I would also say Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, too. We could go all day, top, but for now, Aliens, <laughs> top good five stuff. right there. <laughs> because instead of like James Cameron just following what Nah. Really, Scott did. He just did. He okay, we're gonna take the same trappings here, make it a sci-fi action, sort of thriller kind of combat, movie. Uh, combat, super heavy combat, and thing. also a discussion of Vietnam War. Yeah, but there, I, no, like an allegory right there. Yeah. I would also want to say one thing. This 
thank you James Cameron for introducing to us the term the Space Marine yep. and oh, for yeah. influencing every first person shooter in the 90s. Every video game, every, every Starcraft as well. Game. You yes. know, you know, the thing is like the aliens. Warhammer as well, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like that, that what he did with aliens, like that is a definite spike in the pop culture mm. landscape because the thing is like it changed the way we viewed uh, how we should do an outer space movie yeah. and what i liked about it is like back then imagine i mean i was already terrified with what happened in alien can you imagine a hundred of these fuckers coming after you against oh, a group no. of well-trained soldiers yeah and the fact they all get wiped out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking insane dude. like the journey to that like in the dark corridors and seeing that the radar thing of all the dots coming in holy shit it's yeah. really insane it's just you know they took a big game they're strutting around like oh we're the best we're you know the dog's bollocks Fucking annihilated. <laughs> they get humbled really quick. Yeah, yes. and then Bill Paxton just losing his fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, game over, man. Game, game over. over man. He has the best lights ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, my, my, yeah but my. he's still able to have you know, the hero's death at the end. So, again, that's another thing which makes those two films fantastic. Every character is lovable and enjoyable in their own way. Yeah, exactly. Ripley gets way more fleshed out in this one. Definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely what makes Aliens good is that, you know, before. Well, she had to be a cipher because otherwise you'd telegraph who was going to survive. Yeah, yeah. That's what made Alien work. Mm. With Aliens, because you know she's established, you could talk about, you know, her backstory, the tragic st- yeah. thing about the fact that, you know, her daughter is now an old woman. She's never going to see her. Yeah, because like she sort of in like cryostasis that she, they see as like so many years have passed, if yeah, I remember, yeah. right? And yeah. It's so sad. But here's one thing I really, really want to bring up now. Because remember like quite a while ago when Mad Max came out and everybody was talking about how it was like a pro-feminist movie? Yeah. To me, Aliens, the second Oh, movie, definitely. Oh, yeah, it definitely. Is ex- it is the feminist movie of all time. Because yeah. yeah. literally, the final scene, okay, you have Ripley in the, what you call it? Walker. Robot, I think call it Walker, right? The, yeah, yeah. That thing versus the Queen Alien. And the thing mm. is like, they just go at it and then it's like the, the, the entire theme of the entire movie is just mother basic. versus mother exactly yeah. like there is nothing more terrifying th- than a woman or female protecting her young oh absolutely yes. and it just That's like the you even the strongest marine was Vasquez yes yeah. and the one carrying the the giant minigun <laughs> the steady right? cam yeah. gun <laughs> for all you people yep. in the production industry you know what that is yeah. you know I mean like just literally like look at Look at how strong these females are. Oh yeah. And how they'll rip your face off if you ever step like I mean like, more than so is like the thing is, aliens, I mean, it took something that was steeped in another genre. I mean yeah. Alien One was something a horror sort of movie. established with yeah. something that you build up on and then James Cameron went up to the eleven and just did it did something else new with it. Exactly. And then the this thing I like about James Cameron, this was him at his peak. Because then he would do like Terminator 2, then he would do like maybe The Abyss. Yeah. And then he would just taper out around with uh, like a Titanic and like not give a fuck until Avatar like almost a decade later. Yeah. You know, but the thing is that like, the thing is, Alien 2, Aliens? Aliens, yeah. Aliens. Is a stratospheric jump from Alien 1. Okay, I'm both movies it. are superior in their own right. Yep. No, but it's literally apples and oranges. You can't say one is better than the other. Yeah, I mean, when you say which one's your favorite, that's really saying which genre films you prefer. Yeah, you know, you want to say what's your favorite horror movie? Well, Alien could be one of them. What's your favorite action movie? Aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah but 
Let's talk about Alien 3 we, now. We oh, <laughs> no, no, before that, like, it's really hard to... I mean, nowadays you don't see movies that take the same kind of world and franchise and making a different genre out of it. Yeah, you, you don't have any examples that of that, maybe? Yeah, it's more of a continuation of a, a prepared studio yeah. idea. I mean, like, frankly, like, just look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how they kind of told us, like, oh, we have... 20 movies down the pipeline. But they're all action films, basically. And then There's some variation now. Yeah, you know what I mean? But it's also at the same time, it's like it's not like, here's an author, here's an artist, here's a guy who mm-hmm. has a vision and he wants to take what the, the property and like push it his way. And then... Technically, if I, want to, if I want to push it further, okay, I'm probably pushing it, but you know the Purge series? It went from a shitty horror film the second to was a pretty alright action film, what do you think Actually, about it? The third it? one was... That's a third one? Yes, it's actually alright. It was great, actually. It was an excellent commentary on the socio-political landscape of the United States. Really? Yeah. But it was a more horror film, more of an action film, when you think about it. Yeah. The the third one, because you got Frank Frank Grillo back, the best part of the second Purge film. Oh, yes. (laughs) But anyway, that's a different podcast. Let's stick to Aliens. Yeah, okay, so... Now we have to talk about Alien 3, which I haven't seen. Oh. It's actually alright. It's alright. I mean, I don't understand why there's so much hate for it. I think the at, the, hate prob- at the time, I, maybe because you have these two absolute stalwarts and then... Yeah. If you... It's just like with the Star Wars prequels. If you remove the baggage and the name, it's an alright film. But because it has all that lineage to live up to, that's where it starts falling apart. Because you have these sky-high expectations. But I think at the same time, you have to kind of blame the studios for their interference. Because Absolutely. In 3, there were like two different cuts, if I recall, and there were two, two different directors, directors right? even. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody blames David Fincher for what is Aliens 3. But there was another guy, right? The thing right? is, there was other people involved, you know, and he was there to basically clean up the mess. And with the mess he was given, he actually put together a pretty decent movie. Like, we're talking about the guy on the brink of creating Fight Club and all these other amazing yeah. movies mm-hmm. right after that. And the thing is, this was basically a baptism of fire because as much as everybody complains about the fact that oh, you're just retconning it, you're like you're killing off Newt and you're killing off Hicks from the previous movie and now it's just uh, Ripley alone in a prison planet, you know, with just one alien when we just recently saw like you know, a whole planet full of aliens. But the thing is, it was a nice return to roots because it became a horror movie again. Yeah. And the thing is, this was David Venture kind of exploring his style, his camera angles, the way he lights things. I would say one thing about uh, Aliens 3, it has a very distinct Fincher underlit kind of sensibility. Where the thing is, the corners all fit into darkness perfectly. And when they did that final segment where they were like trying to trap the aliens in the corridors, Yeah, you got like the first person view thing going on, right? And the tension and the fear and the fact that everything looks so dark and scary and like yeah. literally like around any corner that thing could just jump at you. Yeah, the director, the, the, the direction of photography, the I way they it. had to yeah, set, yeah. it's really I mean, good, it's really good. I mean, it's a solid C, maybe almost the B, yeah. but it's like, it's not one of the worst in the franchise. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that it has a really terrible history, yeah, it turned out pretty okay. It turned out pretty okay. I mean, it's okay. I mean, the thing is, most people will just compare it to the first two movies, which is very unfair. But the at the is, same time, it's the still the time, game. Yeah. It's still a lineage that you kind of have to live up to in a sense. But on its own, it's okay. Like again, I feel the tension watching it. I mean, especially that iconic scene where you see the alien actually close at the at the bald Ripley. Oh yeah, yeah that really that, that iconic shot. That trailer that, <laughs> moment, yeah. right? Yeah. And basically, the whole movie is just yeah. how Ripley 
poor lady who had to survive that first movie, seeing all her friends die, then waking up in the second movie, seeing her daughter Agent die, yep. seeing all her new Marine friends die, seeing Newt die, she going through all this shit. Yeah. Now and stuck in a prison with guys who may want to rape her and who stuff. Who tried to rape her yeah, apparently. Rape her, yes. And also by the middle of the movie discovers that she is carrying a xenomorph inside her. Uh, so you just can't win anymore. Win yeah, you know, this. and that's the thing. I think Can't maybe, take a break, huh? Maybe yeah. that's the, the sad tragic story of Ripley. And then also, of, of course, the Jesus Christ pose when she jumps into the lava at the yeah, end, yeah. as the thing bursts out of her. Like, it doesn't seem like a very satisfying end to the trials and tribulations of this amazing character. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I think... So it, it kind of fizzled at that part. Yeah, people feel shortchanged by how like a woman like her ended up that way. Like, she deserves a, a much better ending, or at least a more glorious, you know, fall. And then she gets resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, thing, the thing about that film, I'd rather we not talk about that. That's a horrible But we have to film. mention it, huh? Alien's okay. Resurrection, huh? We did, and we can mention the Brad Dorif alien human hybrid thing at the end. Oh, does it speak? It does I a bit, right? I think it says Mama or something. So. Before it gets sucked into the oblivion of space. Yeah. And Winona Ryder's dancing somehow. She's an android, I believe. And Winona Ryder, perfectly classed. Cast, cast it yes. as, a, as an android because she's got the most wooden acting ever. There you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all day. <laughs> Speaking of Winona Ryder, I'm looking forward to Stranger Things 2. Yeah, oh, season yeah. 2, yes. No, but anyway, yeah, so this flick, uh, Aliens Resurrection, okay, you know it's a bad movie when they don't put a 4 on it. Yeah. Okay, directed by Jean Virginia. Or the guy who did Emily. The guy who did Emily. Amazing movie. This one, eh. maybe he realized he can't do concept sci-fi stuff, so he sticks to making yeah, fruit, French, fruit, French it's, movies. It's also another film that went through a lot of studio iterations. Here I would say, but no, I would. And because they want to sell alien toys, but right? It, so. it definitely, because then you have the the swimming alien, the colorful gills alien. Mm, yes, yes. Oh god, the alien that actually spits acid. So it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. You're trying to really franchise this. Yeah. And also at the same time, giving us uh, Mr. Hellboy himself. Oh yeah, Ron Perlman. Ron yes. Perlman as one of the bounty hunters in the role that he was designed for. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's the only good thing if you want to stretch split hairs and stuff. But yeah, but it's an overall terrible film. Again, I, it's probably one of those films where if you divorce the alien name and just appreciate it as a bad 90s flick, it's enjoyable in the same way you kind of enjoy Independence Day. Oh, right, like, right. You know deep down it's not a good movie. I don't know, but I feel good watching Independence Day. When I saw Alien Resurrection, I felt like taking a 10 showers after that. Really? It just ten? felt pretty bad, actually. 10 acid showers, is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still alive for some reason. Now, uh. so, and then all of a sudden, we have no more Alien movies. Except for that one which we'll probably bring up. Because it's actually leading up to Alien Covenant. Oh yeah, Prometheus. Yeah. You wanna talk about Prometheus? Yeah. I think we have time, right? Yes, we do. We have a bit of time. So Prometheus is a movie. Mm-hmm. Which um, somehow links in together with aliens because yeah. of studio interference, so I guess. This is yeah. literally really Scott returning to the world. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, he, I think it's like, is he even unsure whether he wants to do an alien film or he wants to just do a sci fi film that somehow involves aliens? I think he started off not wanting to make it about aliens. Yeah. But something forced him into it, and it's either the studio or it was maybe someone else in his life kind of pushing him towards the right. Apparently he's quite um, suggestible. Mm. I listened to an interview with him done by Ajin where mm-hmm. apparently he hates swimming. Okay. He hates swimming, but he went deep water diving to impress someone. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So he's very subservient somehow. Yeah. Mm. He's probably uh, the bottom. But, but, but at, the, at the same time, what we got like 
that movie came out in 2011 or 12, I forgot. But 2012. Yeah. This decade. What we got? Yeah. It's actually not a bad film. If you can sort of break away your suspension of disbelief by maybe five minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, there are some definite bad points. Yeah, you know, everyone's a fucking moron. There it is. <laughs> the props to the guy who actually created that satellite thing, map thing, and getting lost in that whole ton network of tunnels and shit. Or, uh, Aren't Numi you supposed Rapace? to be a scientist? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the husband of Numi Rapaz who discover alien life and ruins and he's sad because they fail. Mm. You didn't fail. You found what you were looking yes. for. Yes. Why are you it's, I think his ego is just taking over, I guess. I actually, yeah. I'm more kind of like thinking like, did you not see David tap his finger into the water? He's like sitting right in front of you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Why didn't you notice that? He's not that subtle. I would have gone like, dude, could you not stick your fingers yeah. in my Why just stick your finger in my drink? Well, <laughs> he's an android, so maybe he thinks, you know, I'm sure that his hands are self-cleaning or something. But... Hey, no, but still, I would say this, like, Prometheus started out pretty sincere. Yeah. Because if what I recall is like, uh, Ridley Scott, when he first kind of pr- started promoting this movie, like the whole idea was to be the backstory not to the aliens but to the uh, what do you call the engineers? Yeah, yeah. the engineers. Who, who, whose corpses you saw in the first alien movie when yep. they were ex- like you know exploring? And like the space jockey. They were yeah. trying yeah. to explain the space jockey. Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to be just about that. And if I'm not mistaken, like his original uh, source of inspiration was from Chariots of the Gods. Mm. Like he wanted to like tell a story about an even more superior and more ancient uh, civilization. That was the cause of us humans, you know, because basically there was this uh, thread that go- went a long way. Are you God? Are you the creators? Yeah. You know, and the thing is, right? I I believe that the studios had to crowbar in the alien, mm-hmm. which is why that movie feels so disjointed in some parts. Because there's basically the entire reason for them to go on that mission was to like, we're gonna go and find the creators. We're gonna find the space engineers. Yeah. We're gonna find the like the the civilization that created our civilization, responsible for us. And that was probably the most interesting part of the entire movie. And then came the black goat stuff. And that's when the movie, you can kind of see it fall apart. Yeah, that's when they suddenly went, oh, we have this huge cast of characters we need to kill off somehow. Okay, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. Because you're now a space zombie. Yeah. That suddenly becomes a thing. To be honest, when I kind of avoided thinking about aliens so much, which is really hard to do when watching Prometheus, mm-hmm. that's what that's what made me like the film a bit more. If you sit, if you sort of try to filter away the whole references, the alien thing, when you take it as a sci-fi film where shit goes wrong and your scientists don't think without reason and all that. So it's an inferior sunshine. In a way, yeah. There you go. I mean, but okay, the thing is, if you didn't have the last one minute of the movie, Oh, yeah, where the Xenomorph actually yeah. appears, if you didn't have that in, this would have been a pretty good standalone movie. A serviceable film, yeah. yeah I would say least. that, yeah. yeah. And it would have been Ridley Scott's first good film in about 12 years. Oh god, what was the last one again? Before Robin Hood? Robin Hood? Oh my god. Mm. And before that, and King of Exodus, right? King of Hands, alright. The director's cut is good, the theatrical cut was boring. There was Exodus as well? That was, was it after, that was after Prometheus. Oh. That was also not good. Yeah. Exodus? Was it? Oh, Gods and Kings. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, why are there white people in Egypt? And he's like, shut up, <laughs> fuck you. Like, oh, okay. Well, we have white people in Gods of Egypt too. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually more entertaining when you think Shout about it. Shout out to our uh, Ghost in the Shitstorm uh, for all the whitewashing uh, you all deserve. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like I think there's nothing else to talk about Prometheus. Anybody yeah. want to talk about that interesting scene where basically Rooney Mara, right? Was, which no, Mara was this? It's uh, Rapace. Rumi Rapace, my bad. She did the cesarean thing all by herself. She uh, so insane, that man. Was great, and, then and she started like, running and jumping just like normal. Yeah, it's like I'm pretty sure you're not meant to be that mobile after a C-section. Yeah, sure. But like having that 
that that squiggly octopus thing removed from yeah, her. That was oh, tense, oh, man. That Holy was, wow. That was a great scene. That's and, a popcorn moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we have to watch Charlie Theron not understand how directions work. <laughs> yeah. Walking, walking <laughs> in the shadow of the falling ship. You run away from the thing falling, yeah. not Although, under it. <laughs> that was a satisfying death for Satan. Yes. Least. Well, you know, but also shout out to Idris Elba for making an accordion look cool. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well he, done. That, that he makes things look cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. And the way he sacrifices himself were two very compliant crewmates, I have to say. Yeah. I took no effort whatsoever on his part to say, hey, you want to die? Yeah, let's go die. <laughs> no, yeah. You're so cool, I'll die with you. Yeah, okay. and then they did that Jesus pose as they crashed into yeah. uh, <laughs> the engineer ship. So yeah, Prometheus. Strong C. And oh, of course David. People, the most entertaining android we've seen in that. I'm, I'm going to say that David is the best android of the franchise. Mm. And I'll explain more when we talk about Alien Covenant in the next half of the show. Alright, okay, so, so stay tuned. Of course. We're going to take a quick break, but please, as always, yes, surprise we us. are on Instagram, on Twitter, at Last King Podcast. You can also find us on our Facebooks. Okay, we also have our website, www.thelastking.net. There you go. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and possibly Apple Podcasts. Yep. Yeah. All three audio goodness stuff. Yeah. So yes. we're just gonna go quickly deal with a small Xenomorph outbreak. We'll yeah. be right back. Oh no! Not again! Sound like a River City ransom bad guy. Uh, anyway, so because we're talking so much about aliens, let's not forget about that one company that sort of ties in the all big this overarching thing. villain of the alien franchise. Yeah. They're called, of course, the Wayland Yutani Corporation. Now, I'm not sure how the Yutani part came in, but we know about the Wayland side because of Prometheus and Alien Covenant as well. Yeah, that too. And the fact is, why the hell are these guys still in business and why do they want to? Why? Okay, this is the thing. Like, we got these fictional companies with probably the worst business plans ever. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, they have tried time and time again to capture Xenomorph and bring it back to Earth. It never worked. They've tried it five times now. Never happened. Yeah, they tried to melt human DNA with alien DNA. That turned out well, I guess. <laughs> and then they've got like they tried to cultivate an alien in like a, that's how that's how aliens started, right? Because of that raised up colony, if I recall. Yeah. I think yeah. And then we have like sleeper agent androids in the first alien, like Ian Holmes' character, mm-hmm. trying to sneak in that life form to bring it back to his corporate masters. Yeah. Then you have Burke and Aliens, who was also one of the most incompetent pencil pushers, <laughs> oh, yeah. but also the most appropriately named. Yeah. Such Burke. a Burke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the main flaw, or not, I wouldn't say the main flaw. The, the one thing they seem to have overlooked, if you recall, in Alien uh, Three, mm-hmm. uh, wait, no, Alien Four, my Resurrection. Yeah they managed to clone Ripley. So why don't you just clone a whole fuckload of space marines? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you you need a super weapon? Just have an infinite supply of space marines. And why stop at Ripley? You've got like... um, Just clone Vasquez. Thank you, Vasquez, yes. (laughs) There you go. 
and like Higgs sure why the hell not you know he <laughs> dies uh, make a new one yeah, yeah exactly make a new guy and of course this is why we bring up like different kinds of uh, fictional material whether it's video games or movies they have like the biggest corporations with the biggest the worst ideas ever like I'm sure they have uh, maybe they don't have the best of intentions definitely I mean, never they do never it's do. a corporation I mean that's not the part where we're you know raising our eyebrows mm. it's the fact that they suck at what they do. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's talk about, very briefly, other corporations which definitely don't have a single idea what the hell they're doing with it. Umbrella life. Corporation comes to mind Umbrella from the Resident Evil series. Yeah, what's uh, their plan in the first place? Okay, I know in the movies it's supposed to be a beauty product Are we gonna gone e- wrong. Really? We're gonna talk about But movies? in the games, they're making <laughs> weapons of mass destruction through zombified people and true virus strains. The idea yeah. is like there is bioterrorism if I call yeah, right. Step one create virus. Step two infect people. Step three dot dot dot. Profit. Step four profit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like isn't the nemesis supposed to be the super weapon? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that turned out well. No, it's that turned out well. One. It killed everyone left and right regardless of. The which thing is, we're making a super soldier who's indestructible and cannot be killed. The problem with this super soldier can't take orders. <laughs> so, <laughs> a flaw uh, on the plan right there. Yeah, you might want to go back to the drawing board here. <laughs> but you know it's not just those we kind of forgot the fail safe yeah yeah a fail, a fail safe switch the rocket launcher is not a fail safe by the way and I, the genius is we made an indestructible soldier oh my god it's running out of control kill it no we made it indestructible <laughs> <laughs> oh god why didn't I think of that back yeah, to speaking the of board. lack of uh, kill switches Cyberdyne is another worthy contender of shitty corporations with bad business models I'm pretty sure what was their business model in the first place to make an AI that supersedes human things was it? Yeah. Mm. Like, let's create the most powerful thinking machine ever and give it access to an army of killbots. That's never gonna go wrong. No, I think <laughs> it had the same problem as the Matrix, where basically we're making an intelligence that can think as like a human, but the thing is because they're so, you know, designed to infi- like efficiency and just being a robot, like, mm-hmm. you know what the best thing is? Get rid of the humans? They're the biggest fallacies ever, yeah. Yeah, like, what makes us inefficient? You guys! <laughs> Uh, and that's also one thing, like explaining the timelines. I mean, Genesis, Sega Genesis, the movie actually did Terminator Genesis. <laughs> Terminator Sega Genesis, yeah, whatever. Sega Genesis, the movie starring Sonic the Hedgehog that and Alex Kidd. Mm, you know, buddy cop movie. Yeah. That would have worked. And because of Cyberdyne's influence, apparently a lot of people who do video games or sci-fi stories, they just follow whatever. I mean, they basically make up companies based on Cyberdyne's policies and stuff. Yeah. Like I remember Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pharaoh of Automated Solutions. That's at the company that do mankind in that universe. Yeah, it's like we're gonna create an army of little microbots that kill everything. No, no. Giant killbots that can replicate through biomass, i.e., dead humans and stuff. Yeah, like. And also self and also self sustain themselves. Yeah, it's like, do you not see the flaw in this plan? No. Nope. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> make money. Yeah. Oh, they're killing everybody. Help me. It's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, well nowadays... You just described the story, the plotline for Horizon Zero Dawn, yep. by the way. Oh god, I mean, there, there isn't a lack of mad scientists in the world, but uh, I mean, like, in the current day and age, you know, especially with guys like Donald Trump running America, yeah. he, companies like this it probably existed because somebody signed off on it and yeah. didn't read... Didn't read the fine print, right? <laughs> didn't read well, what they were actually going to do. We're gonna What's expendable? Humans? Yeah, sure, why not sign over there? Oh, we got too many humans. Yeah, you know, not enough paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. of course. Speaking I mean, of not reading the fine print, InGen is also another corporation which definitely uh, didn't know what they were doing. Oh, InGen. It's like, we're gonna give mad scientists all the money. Uh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. We'll make a theme park. Uh, theme park! 
I think we're gonna recreate dinosaurs. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, In I'm- a self-contained zoo with electric bars and fences, with one area point where there's a power. I don't think there's gonna be a thunderstorm that's gonna inflict the I- inflict the island. Oh, look, there's a thunderstorm happening. Of yeah. course, we're on a random island in South America. No way will this park shut down or yeah. have a blackout for any reason whatsoever. Oops, oh, a look, oh, look, a tropical storm. <laughs> Didn't like, see that there's coming. No way anyone's gonna do any corporate sabotage and espionage to try and steal our products. <laughs> oh, huh. I guess we should pay our IT department more. Mm-hmm. You know, stop hiring hackers. Yeah. <laughs> that would probably be it. But then again, also, this is the same company who's like, you know what? We need a dinosaur that can camouflage itself. <laughs> yeah, that's so if we- it ever gets out, it's really hard to catch. <laughs> and the thing is, like, if you imagine like current zoos and stuff, it's like, if a tiger gets out, yeah, you can shoot a tiger. Yeah. You can't shoot a dinosaur. <laughs> Especially one that can camouflage itself. Can Especially one that can camouflage itself. Yes, you know, you you'll need your contingency T Rex. <laughs> yeah, that's literally why he's in that box the whole time. In case of escape, break, break, break glass, break glass, <laughs> open door to unleash T Rex to sort this shit out. <laughs> break glass to T Rex. That should be a hashtag. That should be a T-shirt. Break glass to T Rex. <laughs> the IRX got out. Shit, <laughs> we're out of T Rexes. Yeah. Moral of the story is. Uh, evil corporations hire us as our contingency planners. Yeah. <laughs> make sure when you have a business plan, make sure it doesn't involve the deaths of millions of people. Trust Potential us. Potential deaths of millions yeah. of people. Potential. We'll yeah. minimize the risk. Trust yeah. us, we've done the math. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, now that we've talked about how stupid Weyland Yutani are, Alien Covenant oh, yes. once again starts with Mr. Weyland making a very bad uh, business decision by building an android which asks questions. That's a whole first start of the movie. It's a good five ten minutes of him talking to David. That's the setup right there. That's the setup right there. So Michael Fassbender and uh, Guy Pearce again. Guy Pearce, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he in the old man makeup? No, right. Mm, he's oldish, not super old. I think he's not wearing makeup in this one. He's got he has some makeup. He's got like liver spots and whatnot. Uh-huh. But you know he, he they're just having a conversation and then uh, David asks, "You're my creator, but you can die. I cannot. You're weak." Instead of pouring the tea, why don't you just turn him off then? Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> why not have a fail safe? Just shut him off or something. Yeah, at that point, that's the moment you go like. Like, even Robocop had Directive 4. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so, and then. And then we flash cut to the Spaceship Covenant. Oh. Manned by a clone robot of. Uh, basically created from Bob, possibly from the Wayland Corporation. Called Walter, who looks like the model that David's born It from. is Michael Fassbender again, but yeah. this guy called Walter with a deep South accent for some reason yeah, this time yeah. round. Does he pull it off? Kind I of. guess so. I Fassbender guess. is a tour de force. Of course, he can pull off any accent he wants. He I, think he's doing do the Steve, I think he's doing the Steve yeah. Jobs accent, I guess. The Steve Jobs accent? I think so. No, I didn't see that. You see here a bit? Uh, a little bit, but anyway, the setup is. Um, it's a colony ship, so they're flying to a new place yeah. to set up a colony. 2,000 frozen people inside. Yeah, it's the setup is there are 15 crew. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something like 2,000 people in stasis, they're meant to be the colonists, mm-hmm. and then 40 embryos? I believe so. 40, to, 400, I'm not yeah, sure. There's to me, I'm looking at that math and going, surely you want more embryos? Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're really hoping a lot of people want to get down. I think, yeah, that's the reason why they have couples on the ship, because they're gonna get down, get kids, and 
populate from there and yeah. then they can set up their own rules and stuff on that planet that they're going to but I think you also have to take into consideration that the fact that this uh, spaceship does not have uh, YouTube or Facebook yeah what other distractions are there apart from here <laughs> Sleeping in space, uh, sleeping in the ship, yeah. Huh? So yeah, so because sexy of, space time, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of that old uh, solar flare thing that happened, apparently, uh, some of the the crew members woke up. There was a casualty. It was the captain who died, who was basically uh, James Franco. Yeah, that was the weirdest casting I think I've ever seen. You get the head of a spaceship is James Franco. It's James Franco. And his only lines are just after he dies, where uh, the other main character played by. Dave Franco. I forgot who the other guy was. Uh, no, the the woman. What's her name? Oh, woman, uh, Catherine Watterson. Catherine right? Watterson. She's the husband. The husband. The wife. Uh, wife. Wife. She's the wife of the husband. In yes, space, yes. you know, gender roles have probably yeah. been now widow, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the only speaking line he has is a video that she has of him when they're free climbing because everyone's a crazy daredevil in this universe for some reason. So literally, they're a bunch of millennials. Kind of, but they're anyway. They're fixing the ship, and then they get a strange signal, and then they go, "Oh, here's a random planet we've never heard of before. Let's go there." No, no the the thing is, okay, you have to set it up. Basically, the someone scanned the planet, says, "Oh, it's exactly like how it is in the other planet which you're going to." That will take eight years to get to. Yeah, but we can go in this one in a few weeks, and we don't want to go back into hypersleep. So. Yeah, and then Billy Crudup as a captain, he made that call to go there because a he kind of wants to get like some. Recognition as a captain because James Franco. It was is actually assumed that basically people like James Franco as a captain more than Billy yeah, Crudup. Because it's James Franco. He's charismatic. He's you know got that big smile. He probably smokes up any entire crew. Whereas Billy Crudup is this evangelical weirdo. Like yeah. he's a. a does it even make the point of saying no one trusts me because I'm a man of religion? Like they think I'm irrational. It's like why the fuck are you on this ship if they consider you irrational? Surely well, no one expected James Franco to die anyway, so there you go. That's why we have him as a captain. Yeah. So the way I see it, yeah, he had to make the call to actually, you know, and also kind of because the crew was kind of restless. So sure, let's go down the planet and see what happens. And as you can tell, because it's called Alien Covenant, bad shit goes down. You know what? Bad things go wrong immediately, and it's it's not like Prometheus where you're on the planet for a bit and it takes some time for something to go wrong. It's touchdown, and then from five minutes from touchdown, the first person starts inhaling the spore shit. Yeah, yeah. As he stepped on something, there was a black spore, which was basically like the the new version of the black goo that we saw in Prometheus going to the guy's ear. Yeah, and I, it goes on to another guy as well, another group that went into the cave, right? Yeah. Who saw like basically um, Elizabeth Shaw's uh, dog tag and stuff, and the remnants of the ship. So. Yeah, and immediately. Everything goes super, super wrong. The landing craft gets blown up. Five people die in a space of half an hour. Yep. Because. And then there were the neomorphs that actually popped out. Oh yeah. And Should we set up the neomorphs as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, neomorphs. They're basically albino xenomorphs mm. with yeah. no armor. And there's some explanation as to why they are, but really it's just an excuse to have a different monster to explain what happens later on. Or to sell and as to toys. See the glory, yeah. And to see the glory. <laughs> uh, just so you know that the film is R-rated, so it's a lot, nothing is spared. And it's a, it's a good R. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of worried I was gonna be that PG-13 nonsense, which is kind of what um, Prometheus suffered from a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. This one, oh boy, they do not hold back. Oh yeah, that's yeah, good there's, shit. There's some nasty shit which goes on here, mm-hmm. like proper blood spurting, things breaking. Ooh, it's glorious. And then they run into David. Yeah, with David saves them halfway through, but he got he got his own alternate motives. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, and then things slowly start 
going weird, some more people die, and then David says, oh, do you want to see my collection, what I've been working on? And it's the alien eggs. And then Krodov gets infected, chest blaster, they all amscrape and someone else gets infected. Oh, and before we go on further, yeah. yeah, spoilers of course, as you can tell. At this point in time, I think it's a bit too just, late. <laughs> just assume they're spoilers, but yeah. yeah, they amscrape back to the station, chest blaster, more people die, and then they go to sleep, and then it's David who puts them all to sleep, and he has these little eggs that he puts in with the embryos, and they go off. So that's... That's how it ended. Pretty much what happened. So a sequel set up right there, yeah. right? Mm. <clears throat> Essentially, not a lot happens in the film. It's like, if you look at the actual sequence of events, it's a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. It goes from fine to ruined in about four hours. Pretty fast, actually. Yeah. It goes really wrong, really damn quickly. Which, I guess is a bonus because you're not sitting around waiting for the to payoff because you know what's going to happen. But do you think the pacing is a bit too brisk to kind of set up a story this it, big? It is. The main issue which comes from that is that you are not invested in any of the characters at all. Which is... I kind of, how do you say, I kind of disagree there. I mean, I actually did like Catherine Watterson there oh, and... One character though. Oh wait, sorry, there was another one. I mean, of course, David. He's Two interesting characters. in that sense, especially that scene where he convinced Walter to, to his line of thinking. But I think Which is the most creepiest, weirdest scene ever. Yeah, where it ends with him, Michael Fassbender, kissing Michael Fassbender. Which he does on a regular basis anyway. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I was but this. in the context of the film, it works for yeah. me, anyway. Yeah. We were watching it, I was, I, at one point I was afraid that I just accidentally walked into a showing of shame. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yes. Well, he's had the practice. Yeah. yeah. No, but I would say this, right, maybe, would you say that the pacing kind of was detrimental to the film? Because the thing is, you could kind of sense that, okay, we need to get rid of all of these things now so we can set up another section of the story. Yeah, it does feel like, I mean, things do go at a good clip at certain points, but there's still some elements where it does drag a little bit so it feels a bit unbeaten. oh you mean the part they were in the temple was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah yeah that one they need a break before all the shit happens in the other second act that's well, what i felt i and mean that's fine and that's you know standard storytelling but it's just because it goes okay problem solve solve solve, solve. problem 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 complete silence and then more problems it's like <sighs> I did feel that the last part was definitely tacked on. I mean, do we need alien vision for that part at the end? No, yeah. not at all. Because, I mean, I could have just had something cooler and then just ended from there instead of like, oh, there's more problems in the ship. We're just doing an homage to maybe the first two alien films in that sense. Yeah, I mean... A tacked on homage. Mm. Uh, it sounds like we're harping on it being a bad film. Actually, but it's actually a good film for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some parts I do like and it's small elements which I like which kind of add flavour. For me, it's the little things like on the Covenant where they have the uh, ship AI mother calling out six bells and all is well. Mm -hmm. That's a naval term from back in the day. That's what ships used to do in the Royal Navy, where you'd have someone ringing the bell to keep time because obviously you can't keep a clock and obviously in space, the concept of 24 hour day doesn't work. So you have bells. I like that aspect. It feels like something which kind of lives. And also there's a bit which they stole from the second Star Wars prequel film where there are these big solar sails which come out. Oh right, when the ship just opened up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's those little touches where design-wise this film is very, very good. But it's a really when I look at Danny McBride, yeah. uh, when, I mean, his wife was the one who like, died down there. It's like him not knowing what the fuck's going on down there and then finding out and then still trying to maintain composure while he's spanning the ship getting really close. 
that was some pretty good acting, solid acting right there from him. Something, yeah, Danny McBride for some reason. He's not doing comedy, and yeah, he actually does it really well. Does it fairly well. As soon as I saw his face, I went, "Oh no, no, please!" Oh no, no, no dick jokes! Come on. No. Of course, they were going to be dick jokes, but but you have to really assume that since Danny McBride's in it, of course James Franco's in it. You know, or the other way around. They yeah. they, they come as a set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're talking more of like a typecast. It would have been even but as worse. A, yeah, but then in that whole Danny McBride did really good. I'm yeah. actually surprised. He to did be honest. Well. I mean, think of it this way: you could have also gotten Seth Rogen instead. Oh, uh, I don't know. Imagine, that. imagine that's him. just taking different comedy actors of another comedy. Actor. But for what we got, good, good stuff, good stuff from him. I yeah. mean, like apart from Danny McBride and probably Michael and Catherine Anderson, and were there any other stand-up performances? I guess the Xenomorphs, <laughs> killing people. Well, yeah, that's you know, shout outs to the special effects department for doing a pretty stellar job. But yeah, good stuff right there. Everyone else is fairly one note and not particularly interesting. Yeah, uh, they like, have, yeah I mean, Billy Crudup almost transcends it, but not by much. I mean, yeah. I could kind of feel sorry for him in the sense that he has this responsibility. Like, he's just being like, oh, he has all this uh, expectation and stuff as the second in command. Yeah, kind but of does guy. it really but pay he, off he, anywhere? Yeah. It paid off with him having this first, being the first chessmaster victim, I guess. Yeah, and the other element is there's there was a sergeant because obviously they have an armed detachment. A space marine, yeah. Kinda, they're more like a space militia, and there's a kind of insinuation that he was married to one of the soldiers that gets killed by the neomorphs because he kind of funnels a ring on the guy's hand. Mm -hmm. But it's just one of those like, are you gonna do something interesting? No, you're just gonna be sullen and get killed by Facehugger. Like, even comparison to, like, the second Aliens movie, even though the Space Marines were very stereotypical in one note, they had very memorable characters. Yeah, everyone had a distinct personality. Like, even the, yeah. lieutenant, the, the lieutenant, who was a total loser, yeah. like, he had his resolve, he had his, um... Yeah, he had his moment to shine the grenade, if I recall, right? Exactly, yeah. you know? The, even, you know, the ones where you know they were gonna die in the first five minutes, yeah. they still had an element of, okay, I like you, but these guys... But in Alien Covenant, everyone else except those guys I mentioned are basically cannon, so uh, cannon fodder. Literally slasher flick... Slasher flick food. Yeah, Because at least with slasher flicks, you have archetypes where you're kind of like, okay, that's the slut, that's the virgin, that's, that's the, the jock. Yeah. But this one's like, you're a cypher, you're a cypher, you're a cypher, you're a cypher, you, you're all fucked! You are the one who gets the worst death ever. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a couple who are on the ship that stay there the entire time. They do nothing. They only exist to die at the very end in a shower scene. Oh, you mean the one that's piloting the ship and all that, right? Yeah. Like, they, they serve no purpose. They're meant to be the voice of reason for Danny McBride, but he doesn't listen to them. They have no interesting dialogue. They don't have any thing to do. They just kind of sit there and just tap that computer and then they go have sex in the shower and die. And then die, yeah. yeah. Because it's a slasher flick. Because it's a slasher flick. <laughs> Again, like I said, cannon fodder, so... Yeah. Um, or xeno fodder. Yeah, xeno fodder. Yeah, yeah which go. leads to another thing. It's not as egregious as Prometheus, but there are really stupid decisions that go on in this film. I, the entire film would have been solved if they wore helmets down to the surface. <laughs> Who the fuck goes to a brand new planet <laughs> where you've done no uh, oxygen tests, you've done no uh, samples, where anything could be poisonous, you go, yeah, we're fine. This, like, oh, the, oh that, that's a typical thing. I think they're just assumed that because the computers say it's safe, oh, it's safe to go down there with, without your helmets and stuff. It's like, these guys don't watch Star Trek. I've worked yeah. with companies which have stronger protocols for just working down the fucking road. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, if this was run by the Singapore government, this shit never would have happened. Oh, nope, nope. Uh, no, it'll probably just be on its way to the other planet. <laughs> Are they eight more years of cryosleep? Oh, yeah. No, but... Uh, 
maybe okay performances aside we gotta talk about the real stars of the show the aliens themselves I am I mean the new worlds they look good the new worlds were interesting and there was kind of this weird element where David was interacting with one where he was kind of showing he tried to tame it I guess he, he was able to because they have no interest in killing him he's mm-hmm. not organic so mm-hmm. they have no interest um, and that was interesting and also when we finally see the xenomorph that we know and know and love I guess is the word <laughs> love question mark yeah yeah where we finally see it kind of raise and it's kind of mimicking the Christ figure image that David is mm-hmm. doing oh, which is on pretty... the fucking nose yeah but, but, but it turned out cool. pretty well yeah it's cool yeah and the Definitely parts where they're able to nail the horror element. Like they're trying to take off, leave the surface, and the xenomorph is headbutting the windshield and the cracks appearing. It's like, fuck, this is a terrifying creature. <laughs> I think my only other beef with uh, Prometheus, uh, sorry, not Prometheus, uh, Alien Covenant is it doesn't have that standout iconic scene. Maybe that Alien Jesus scene could work. Nah. But beyond that, there's no like C section and C section like scene in Prometheus. There's no. Um, Ripley and the alien close together in uh, Alien 3 or even like Game Over Man scene, you know? Yeah, I mean... Alien Covenant doesn't have that, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are definitely elements where it does work, but it's entire reliance on a few things and it's either Catherine Waterson or Michael Fassbender. Honestly, Michael Fassbender is the greatest discovery of our generation of actors. Oh, I yeah. agree, totally. I mean, yeah. like... Imagine his very early role in 300. Who would have thought that guy (laughs) would be who he is? (laughs) And he sells that, especially when it's David and Walter on screen together, you could see just how masterful he is at acting as two different kinds of androids, where David is the constant, the one searching for the source, for creation, for meaning in life. He's got the kind of of childlike obsession with trying to create something, whereas Walter is just a pure workhorse kind of android and just seeing the two interact there's two different not quite human characters talking to one another it's really chilling really it's really good stuff it's kind of like when you see that uncanny valley thing in the game but purely done because a a guy is able to pull off not looking real Mm. well yeah Michael Fassbender does look unreal at certain angles (laughs) yeah uh, but I was also say maybe props to Ridley Scott for like you know I mean the thing is I don't see him more of an actor's actor no. he's the kind of guy who has set pieces in his head or yeah. he, like he's got uh, he designs the frame and he's pretty much trusting the actors to do what they want Yeah. so with the other characters the, the more one note ones like most likely is like Ridley Scott saying okay you die here so uh, just look shocked when something happens Yeah. the way I see it like Ridley Scott may not have a he has like an up and down track record of sorts. But yeah, he's a 50-50 for sci-fi, guy. Yeah. He actually did it alright. I mean, I know we have our complaints about Prometheus, but you cannot deny the movie does not look... The, the movie looks good. Yeah, again... This, he knows his shots. Yeah, and I want to bring, quickly go back to design. There was another element which I liked was... There's a moment when you realise David's the one creating the xenomorphs. And they go into his workshop, which looks like a Renaissance man's version of Jeffrey Dahmer's kitchen. Oh, yeah. It's... it's awful and creepy and weird and then when the but beautiful in a way as well like the way everything's like pulled apart and carved and stapled it's and then those sketches as well that Catherine saw oh yeah it's beautifully psychopathic yeah. in a way I mean, the thing about really Scott Flicks is like the art direction is always on point oh yeah you, you can't question and also the fact that he knows how to choose the right people to put scenes together mm. like his art department top notch I mean mm. since the early days but I think one thing I also want to bring up and maybe discuss with you guys is like 
the thing is, this film is not only a return to the well because the thing is, we we mentioned Prometheus, yeah, but we also need to stack this up against the legacy that is really Scott. Yeah, like the that man who can. gave us Alien, Blade Runner, you know, a lot of amazing films in the legacy. But he, but I thought we're just gonna keep it to Alien, Aliens. No, but the thing is, in his terms of his ability to still direct and tell the story. Oh yeah. Because the thing is, he's been on a bit of a downward spiral ever since the death of his brother Tony, uh, and the thing uh, is, yeah. that is probably one of the main reasons where he seems to be very uninspired. Or even so, like you know, like he normally doesn't seem to be uh, willing to bend to the will of the studio. Mm. But nowadays, you can kind of sense that that he has to churn out this movie. But even with that pressure, even Covenant turned out fine for me. But really, he's one of those directors who I feel like, like just like a Christopher Nolan, like even a bad movie is miles above what other bad movies are. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of Ridley Scott's worst film was probably Robin Hood. Robin Hood. I mean, that was. There are very few redeeming features, but there were elements which I thought were pretty cool. Yeah, there's even always if those was, like moments of genius, right? Yeah. Even if they were anachronistic as fuck, like the D-Day landing scene with the French army. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> what does that got to do with anything? Huh? Yeah. But the thing is, is this like he's given the reins to a new director to do Blade Runner sequel. David Villeneuve, the guy who did Arrival, right? Yeah, yeah. and that mm-hmm. movie is coming soon. I kind of feel for that, but I'm also curious all the same too. But do you think maybe the discussion should be, should really Scott let go of the reins of the Alien franchise? Because the thing is, he literally let go right after he did the first movie, he gave it to James Cameron, mm-hmm. who took it to a whole new stratosphere. Yeah. Like, at this point in time, do we have enough like sci- sci-fi directors, or at least smart directors, for me, who can take the franchise further? I kind of prefer for him to do a 50-50 kind of thing, where Prometheus... Again, flaw, but also still a stand-up sci-fi kind of show. Mm. It, uh, this movie as well, pretty alright too, but maybe he can probably let go for the next one, maybe. Well, that's the thing, because he was gonna let go, it was gonna be... Neil Blomkamp, yep. yeah. I was looking forward to that. And yeah, what happened to that though? This happened, that's what uh, happened. Well, what happened is that Chappie came out and they realised, oh, he's a very one-note director and Fox just tore it away from him. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and they handed it back to uh, Ridley Scott. And Ridley Scott is kind of not going on an up. He's kind of still on that downward spiral, I feel. Well, this uh, is the Martian was good. The Martian was really good. Very damn good. Yeah, the best comedy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I still don't understand that note, but... I don't know. Overall, I think he did a perfectly alright job. And by no means is this a bad movie. It's actually a good movie in many parts. But you have to keep it within the context of the wider thing. Mm. And considering he gave us Alien, yep. he needs to buck up a bit. He does. Perhaps, perhaps. I, I really feel that, especially in this day and age, because he has the clout still. Oh, yeah. He's still fucking Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a he, guy. He, na- he nailed the cinematography for it. Everything else, probably you should have someone else helping him out. Yeah, I mean, he this started is... out doing music videos. I mean, his sense of aesthetics and visuals, mm-hmm. I mean, I will not argue against that it's just his storytelling is so lackluster nowadays get someone else to do that and work with him he needs someone who's better at writing characters because that's how you sell horror films you Mm. need to have characters you're invested in and you don't want to see die kinda got a suggestion Jordan Peele no (laughs) working with him no hey Get Out was good you say that I would be interested in that it might be a horrible train wreck but You've piqued my interest, actually. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's all you need. Oh, well, if you want to hear more bad pitches, listen to our last episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I would say maybe the guy who did the Evil Dead remake. Alejandro something, right? That guy, right. Yeah, that that's guy. Spanish dude. Okay, he did Don't Breathe. Okay, remember that one. Because the thing about him is that he nails being isolated 
and like that creature, that monster is in the darkness around every corner. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I feel that the Alien franchise needs to not just return to being a horror movie, but to be a self-contained corridor horror movie. It needs movie. to be a claustrophobia film. It needs to be a claustrophobia film because the Xenomorph with its black and its teeth and the way it's just dripping acid. Just hide anywhere. And just yeah. to see that emerge from shadow, that how terrifying that is. Because right now, like the alien, the, that creature itself, it's turned into like some video game prop that you shoot. Yeah. Like, and that's the problem I have. That uh, was another yeah. element yeah, and thanks Gearbox for Alien Colony. Oh <laughs> but yeah, that's another element from Covenant which definitely didn't work was there was a scene where they're running away and then the Xenomorph just appears and then runs across an open field. It doesn't look that intimidating when it's just running in an open field. It's mm. it, You realise it looks a bit weird and when it's in a big open well-lit space where, you know, it's yeah, black. Like, it's very easy to see. Yeah, yeah. When you like set it against like like uh, there's hundreds, however. Yeah, then I'm fucking run. And natural environment is like because the thing is that creature is literally designed to be in like you know the corners of your dreams and yeah. imagination in the dark in yeah. the dark where it belongs. You yeah, know? well, it's designed by the premium creator of Nightmare Fuel HP. <laughs> <laughs> dark as it goes, right there. Yeah. So I mean, probably what we can do to end this off is what do you think the next movie is going to be? Like, where can they go from this? There's, or if they should have the same director. There's still this. some answers which they haven't given where they're going to have to do some serious ass retconning to make Alien work now. Okay, that planet where David's going with the crew, yeah, I think all that just... The movie's probably going to take place there after it's all grown up and So stuff. is it going to be LV-426? It might eventually be LV-426. But that's the thing, because they find the original egg in a space jockey ship maybe a space jockey who's hiding somewhere probably came down yeah, for all you know hope so, cause that, that could be the Prometheus link yeah, oh yeah. that also happened in the film he kills off all the engineers Yeah, you know in the first Prometheus where they're trying to say oh who are these creators oh, who these are the are architects of our civilization yeah. Yeah, and the covenant is like fuck you die <laughs> that, that's literally what happens yeah, really you can like, write the story oh that's actually a lone surviving engineer like well, out space car they always have colonies everywhere I mean that's there you go. that's what Prometheus was so. but the thing is do you feel like this movie is setting out even more plot holes for the other movies in the legacy yeah I that's mean, the problem right? that's the same as comics you write something new yeah you gotta open up a can of worms but then again at the same time this is really Scott writing his own stuff like he's the one who designed that first movie and now here he's, here he's doing that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so like it's like not like in the comics where another author is fucking with your yeah, storyline. This is him, this is yeah. him like literally like probably what did I do then? Oh whatever. I'm Let, gonna have to find out my notes and see. And the thing oh, is, it's all gone, it's he all washed off. I have like a Frank Miller vibe where literally he's like, you know what, whatever I did then, doesn't matter. This is the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm I'm the, I'm the goddamn Batman. But <laughs> in all honestly, I think another director should take up the reins. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully Neil Boomkamp, maybe. Uh, I, I don't think he's getting any more work. I think oh, he's that sucks. He's past his prime. He's overstayed his welcome. I don't I think he got lucky with District Nine. Because look at the other two major films that he was allowed Elysium to make. Elysium and uh, Chapter Chappie. Yeah. Elysium was ear and Chappie was shite. <laughs> mm. So I think the only problem I have with Chappie is having Diane Twert be most of the film. Like those two are the most annoying people yeah, ever. Yeah, the ninja guy. <laughs> and wasting Dev Patel. Oh god. Yeah, yeah Dev Patel's a good actor. Damn. Yeah. Waste, wasting Hugh Jackman as well. There you go. <laughs> oh but man, him with the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say this, like maybe for the next alien movie, bring it back to the horror, bring it back to the claustrophobia, the, just like I get it, you know, like, he probably felt like if uh, James Cameron can have lots of aliens, I only had the one, yeah. now it's my turn to have lots of aliens, 
but like no 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 you are the master of isolation okay you did a very um, you did a great job with the martian yeah just maybe a small bunch of people stuck with an alien just take it to another level mm. that's all you have to do yeah i mean the only way i can see themselves wrapping up properly is if the next film is the covenant running into a space engineer ship and then there's that conflict happening whilst there's a xenomorph outburst happening in the covenant spreading out into so the it's like a three-way fight in a way yeah and yeah. then they end up crash landing into lv426 and then and then what? a predator shows up yeah. <laughs> actually what would you, what, what then, you rate the after credit scene ends with you know uh something coming from the stormer as they fly past okay. and then, Tightly wrap it up and then we can do whatever the fuck we want in the future. Alright, so we can also cap it off with your final rating for Alien Covenant. I think this is going to be, from me, a 6.5. I'm going for a 7. I did really? enjoy my time okay. with it. But it's not perfect, that's for sure. Oh no, they're reading issues with it and... Again, there are parts I loved, but there were so many elements where I was just shaking my head from character choices, from certain pacing issues from story writing. There's some awful dialogue in here. There's a scene where they find wheat on the planet and the guy goes, this is wheat. I know wheat. <laughs> this is wheat. It's like, yeah, okay, dude, you know wheat. The scene is going on for wheat too long, yeah. right? for you. Yeah. Uh, I would say maybe... I find grass. Ooh, it's green. <laughs> I would say, Ridley Scott, I mean, maybe you need to take a break from this franchise, okay? This is him returning to the well. Do what you did. Let somebody else take over. Don't be so precious about your franchise. Like even James Cameron let go of his Terminator franchise. Yeah, you know, and then, and then other people shit on it. Let the next generation tell their stories. And so shit on it too. And <laughs> shit on it too. Yeah, because basically the thing is right. Try and steep the Alien franchise with your legacy. You know, because literally you created the first one, and now you're kind of marring it with this film. Okay, so probably that should be more than enough reason for you to like. Let it go, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> and go, we'll just let it go, let dude. It go. <laughs> and with that note, uh, we can you can sign off. So check us out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Check out the website on thelasting.net. You can also check us out on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on slash lasting podcast or slash the last king. Whichever one will be correct. Yes. Whichever one will be correct. Yes. Or just search for us. You'll find us. Yeah, yes. Nope. <laughs> we should be on the first page of Google by now. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully. Yep. So. Uh, this is a uh, patient 0.5. <laughs> oh no! Oh my it's god! Like a, I'm bringing out the false rifle, come on! <laughs> I'm Alex and Tom. Stop here, signing out! Oh, 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 oh.